podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking Formula One podcast. My name is Ben Hocking. Joining me this evening, of course, Samuel Sage and Harry Eid as we prepare for the Italian Grand Prix at Monza. Guys, are you excited for this one? Very excited. <laughs> I thought there was going to be more to that sentence then, Sam. But uh, yeah, who doesn't love a bit of Monza? I think Monza qualified. I think Monza <laughs> qualifying is perhaps one of the best of the year. Just going to put that one out there. I absolutely well, love Monza. I think it's up there with some of the best Grand Prix we've ever seen. It always produces something interesting, to be honest. People seem to underrate it or dislike it. I genuinely think it is one of the best races of the season. You say you love qualifying at Monza, but no one's going to set a second lap in Q3 because they were going two miles an hour behind each other. But outside of that, good circuit. Good circuit, all in all. <laughs> <laughs> So we will be discussing whether this is a must-win race for Valtteri Bottas. He's fallen 50 points behind Lewis Hamilton in the championship. Uh, and he's still got time to work with throughout the season, but he does need to start picking up results. Is it must-win or not? And we'll be giving our bold predictions and our poll one, two, three predictions in that as well. The quali uh, party mode ban comes into force this weekend. So we'll be asking whether Mercedes will be hard hit by it and, and whether it's fair to introduce it in the first place. Yuki Tsunoda's been doing some good things for Carlin in Formula 2. We'll be discussing whether he is in line for an Alpha Tauri seat in 2021. And at this point, Lance Stroll has more points than any other season he's had in F1 so far. Is it his best season so far? And is he showing signs that he has a lot of potential in Formula 1? But first, we will get on to the point of whether this is a must-win for Bottas or not. Like I said at the beginning, 50 points now separates him and Lewis Hamilton, and there's a Max Verstappen to contend with between them, actually. Three points, Verstappen leads Bottas. Sam, you've been critical of Bottas throughout the year so far. Do you think that at this point he has to start winning races in order to stand any chance of winning this championship? Well, firstly, viva la spaghetti, of course. We are back in the wonderful (laughs) land of Italy, and... uh... Wonderful it actually is. I love the the Grand Prix of Monza. It's a it's a brilliant place, and it's a shame that the Tifosi won't be there to see their wonderful Ferrari struggling down in sixteenth and seventeenth place. Um, Bottas has not only got to beat Hamilton; he's got to beat Max Verstappen. I think if Hamilton takes wing number ninety nine zero one less than Schumacher's all time record, that'll be. Then um, I think that could be game over. What's interesting is the engine power along the uh, along the whole grid is pretty even these days. I mean, excluding Ferrari power, which is just a bit funny, really. Um, Renault definitely picked up the pace in a straight line. We saw that around Spa last time out. Ricardo doing a fantastic job in fourth and nearly got himself on the podium, only three seconds off Max Verstappen at that point. Um, and the Honda engines have definitely picked up. Uh, the straight line speed of that Red Bull is doing well. Alpha Tauri have been consistently, well, in the land of Pierre Gasly, consistently scoring strong points. It's looking good for Honda-powered cars. Um, if anything, racing point of the Mercedes-powered cars is actually the team that's underperforming in that top 10 area. So, in that top level, I think it could be a real anyone's game. You get a good qualifying, you get a good toe going around in your qualifying lap, and you can hold off people for the first couple of corners you could be in a shot with some solid points. And I think that really gives Valtteri Bottas something to worry about. 
Mercedes haven't regularly been the absolute outright fastest in a straight line. Usually that is Ferrari's title there. Uh, they take that pretty much every season, apart from this season, which is showing. Um, Red Bull as well, nowhere near as far off that straight line speed as they have been in the past, as is displayed by Max Verstappen and how well he's able to keep up with those guys in a straight line over the last power tracks, so you know, Silverstone, Spa, now possibly Monza. I think that Bottas needs to absolutely trounce both Verstappen and Hamilton. I think he needs something bad to happen to Hamilton and Verstappen. Maybe an engine failure. I, I bet if Bottas could hear Hamilton's engine last time out in Spa and Hamilton said, loss of power, I think he's, he you know, felt flutters in his heart only to watch Hamilton drive off another nine seconds off into the distance. Um, yeah, to me, this is season dead and gone and buried and then burnt and then the ashes were buried again and then a dog stung a little wee on them for Bottas's championship hopes if Hamilton wins again and if Verstappen beats him again. It, oh, it could be devastating stuff. Bottas needs to get the victory. Do I think he will? No. Harry, must win for Bottas, yes or no? I must commend Sam because he paints a, he paints a beautiful picture Thank he's you. making his Cheers. points. Um, Dog uh, painting, sure. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Um, not beautiful, I guess, but... A vivid, vivid, vivid picture. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, does Bottas need to win? Uh, yeah, I think he does, but I, I think I agree with Sam. I don't think he's just. I don't think he's got the pace necessary to out out race uh, Hamilton. And the only time he has won against Hamilton this year, I mean, yes, he did out qualify him, but then Hamilton had was also handed a, a grid penalty at the first race. So um, I think he needs. Some luck, he needs Hamilton to have an issue. And as Sam said, uh, I think it could be an interesting weekend. You know, Honda and Renault, as we saw last weekend, they're, are pretty pretty up there. So, um, uh, yeah, Bottas just, I think, needs something. Und- he needs to have a good weekend. but he needs, And I do think he's driving well. He's just not driving as well as Hamilton. Um, I think he just needs some, some luck to go his way, to be honest. Otherwise, as Sam said... I'm not going to say what he said, but uh, <laughs> his season may well be, uh, his championship hopes may well be over because I don't know, what ra- what round are we coming up to now? What's it today? Round what, eight? Eight, I think. I can't remember. Eight. Yeah, we're we're about there, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Eight. eight's right. So then, you know, we're only, yeah, what, 10 races left, nine, nine yeah, races left three. after that. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big weekend for, for Walter, I think. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I would personally say that this is not a must win. Uh, and the only reason I would say that is because if something is must win, that implies that the championship is still up for question. And I really don't think it is. Um, and Blimey. That, it, I love that. Hamilton's love won that. this championship. I, I'm, I, I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever Lewis Hamilton is winning this. And we'll discuss... Um, we'll discuss the, the the quali modes and party modes being banned and whether that will have an impact. I personally think that Hamilton's got this all sewn up and that sounds very harsh towards Bottas and in a way it's supposed to be, but Bottas is a great driver. I'm not claiming that he isn't. Bottas is a B plus, A minus even driver, but that's not good enough. You know, he's not being compared to Alex Yoon. This guy is being compared to Lewis Hamilton, the greatest of all time. <laughs> Sorry for all Alex Young fans out there. Oh, Lewis Hamilton is an Kid, A-plus player. He, he's so good. And, uh, you know, people who deny he isn't great are, are lying to themselves. So 
ultimately, if you're comparing yourself to someone as good as Hamilton, an A minus B plus is not going to be enough. Uh, and I'm sure Bottas would fare very well against nearly every other driver on the grid in a one-on-one scrap. I think outside of Hamilton and Verstappen, I think he would have a chance of beating any other driver on that grid one-on-one. That includes Ricardo, Vettel, that includes Leclerc. I'm not saying he would, but he'd stand a chance at least. It's only Hamilton and Verstappen that I think he is definitely behind overall. Um, so I think the fact of the matter is like 50 points in it. And I know Bottas has had that one DNF, well not DNF, but he didn't score points at one of those races. But ultimately, Hamilton could, Bottas could win the next seven races and Hamilton could still technically be in the championship lead at the end of that stretch. Seven races, Bottas could win in a row. And if Hamilton finished second in every single one of those races, he'd still be ahead. So this 50 points advantage is substantial. And I can't see Bottas getting close to it without at least one DNF for Lewis Hamilton. And quite frankly, I think he'll need two. And given the Mercedes reliability and how good that is, it's not exactly likely that that's going to happen. We just need to see, we just need to see something from Bottas, which I quite frankly think that he doesn't have. And that is this desire and this, this absolute heart and fire to beat Lewis Hamilton. We saw it at Spa how you know he at the start he had a great opportunity to get Lewis Hamilton he was right behind going into Eau Rouge he could have gone into Eau Rouge side by side I understand why he didn't but he could have done that that would have been an aggressive move that Bottas has been against doing really throughout his entire run at Mercedes but when he backs off of Lewis Hamilton after at Eau Rouge, he just leaves such a space that he's got no chance going going up the hill. There's such a slipstream there and Bottas still can't capitalise. He just needs to offer up something different like Rosberg did. Yes, Rosberg didn't get it right every time. There's a reason that Hamilton won two championships when they were together and Rosberg only won one. But Rosberg did get it right. He did play the aggressive game. He did mess with Hamilton mentally. Hamilton is just so unsettled at the moment. And that's great for Mercedes and that's great for Hamilton. But for Bottas, that's not great. And he speaks of his frustration after Grand Prix about how he's not there with Lewis Hamilton and how it's really annoying him. He needs to do something about it. And he just declines to do so every time. Yeah, I mean, another worrying thing for Valtteri Bottas, and Ben, I'm sure you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I did manage to look it up early today, is that Hamilton across his whole career, when he has finished a Grand Prix, he's only finished outside of the points 11 times. And that's in a working car. So if you exclude DNFs, he's only ever finished outside the points 11 times. So Hamilton will have to have, realistically, in terms of statistics, a full car failure for Bottas to realistically make up more than seven points on an absolute maximum. It shows you how much work Bottas has got to do. I mean, this will all count for nothing when... Party mode goes and Ferrari are one two in qualifying at Monza. <laughs> I mean, moving on. Scenes. So you did reference Sam in in your opening bit about Ricardo and how he was very close to a podium last time out in Belgium. He was only a few seconds off Max Verstappen at the end of that Grand Prix, and Renault looked very handy in a straight line. Considering the track dynamics, very similar at Monza to Spa, perhaps even more so in the region of top speed. Do you think that Ricardo or indeed Ocon has any chance of a podium, Sam? Yeah, I actually really do. That I think that the engine power is incredibly close. And wait until we see the tiny little, you know, 30 centimeter rulers from your preschool days as people's rear wings, because that's how little downforce they need to go around Monza. 
when it comes straight down to horsepower and who can get from one end of a straight to another, the fastest, Renault are, are there. Renault are equal with Honda. Renault are equal with Mercedes. Last season, Renault were probably the slowest engine overall. And I think this season, they are pretty much there. And that Renault looks really, really handy in a straight line. McLaren can't seem to get that straight line speed out of the engine as well as Renault can. They've got a better overall package, I think. But I think the Renault, when it comes to straight line speed, have got this mask, maybe a little bit less drag, a little bit, aer- little bit less aerodynamic performance and more straight line performance. And around these power tracks, it's benefiting them. And Monza is the king of power tracks. It's called the Temple of Speed for a reason. And I really think that something goes wrong or Ricardo gets a great Saturday, maybe in the toe of, uh, of his teammate or another driver. He can really unsettle the likes of Verstappen and Bottas and possibly Hamilton. I think he will out-qualify Alexander Albon, who has, again, not been great all the way up to this point in the season. Uh, Ocon's been improving. I don't think he's quite there on ability. But I really do think that Ricardo, out of all the, uh, I say midfield, in inverted commas, um, out of all the midfield guys, is probably the closest place to challenge those top three or four. Harry, do you think that Renault are in a in a chance of the top three and Cyril getting a tattoo? Do you think that's going to happen? Uh, I think they could. Yeah, I agree with Sam. Um, that Renault was very slippery in a straight line. It's not great around the, the you know they're expecting to to struggle around Mugello and they struggled in Spain too. So those sorts of tracks, the package doesn't work for them, and that's why you know McLaren seem to uh, seem to be stronger than them. Uh, but yeah, for power tracks, I think we saw it in Canada last year as well. They were quite strong. So um, it's, I think it's entirely possible. I mean, I know Ricardo got really close towards the end of the last race, and that was more to do with tyres. But you know, that could happen again. It's it's fast in a straight line, and apparently he can look after the tyres well. So um, yeah, I think it's entirely plausible, and I think Red Bull will be, I think, relatively worried about. Ricardo in particular, who seems to be on pretty good form at the moment. So, um, come on, Ricky Bobby. Yeah, and you have to think that Ricardo. Yeah, he was he was very good at Monza last year. Renault seemed to have um, these high speed circuits down to a T. Like last season, Monza was very good. Um, Canada was very good as well. But I think Monza was their best finish. So Daniel Ricardo, I think you will be very confident considering last season plus what's happened at Spa and. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't even have that middle sector in Spa to really deal with at Monza. Obviously, they, there are the few Lesmos, but it's it's very minimal compared to the overall lap. So I, I think Renault are definitely with it, in with the chance. What I would say is that and I'm not quite sure what the weather is going to be doing. I think the weather's looking pretty bad just after the Grand Prix, uh, Monday and Tuesday, which, of course, oh, is F1. I'm sick of uh, hearing it. <laughs> but if they're all preparing for a completely dry race, that isn't going to be the same as what it was at Spa because we know that Renault uh, and McLaren and maybe a few other teams were putting all of their eggs in one basket in terms of going for a very low downfall setup, going for top speed um, and basically just praying that it was going to be a dry race and for them it worked out. But I think the likes of Mercedes did at least prepare for the eventuality that there could be some rain and um, if they're not looking out for that this weekend and maybe they recover some of that straight line speed compared to the Renault guys but regardless I think I think they're in with a chance Renault uh, and Ocon included in that as well he wasn't quite there with Ricardo but it was still a solid performance I think it was his his best performance since uh, late in 2017 so um, yeah there's definitely something there for the yellow guys 
Yeah, as a taunting move from Ricardo, I mean, we know he loves to, to break late, honorary late-breaking member. I love to, for all the drivers to walk into the paddock, you know, Friday, and look in their cockpits, and what's that in there? And there's a, an envelope that's got Ricardo's face on the stamp with just, I'm coming, or send it, or like the honey badger. Like every single one of their cars, and he's like, you know, I'm coming for you all race long. I think it'll be classic Ricky Bobby poo-housery, as we say on this channel. <laughs> that has managed to creep into quite a few videos and podcasts recently, but there you go. Let's move on to some bold predictions. Harry, you got yours. I can't believe I'm saying this. You got yours right <laughs> last week. Bravo. It just Unbelievable. Work. Anyway, yeah, you managed to predict correctly that Ricardo would finish in the top five. What have you got in store to look for that two-race streak this time out? Come on, son. Uh, my bold prediction is that George Russell will score a point. I love it. I was going to go down the same route, but now you've done it, I'll adapt. But that's a great shout. I think that's a real chance of happening. I think right. I think he I could think he could have done last race, potentially, maybe, until Giovinazzi's will destroyed him but, um... it was like a homing missile <laughs> like something out of mario kart yeah like the banana left on the road that's uh, a more the blue shell but very yeah. expensive banana um anyway <laughs> george russell in the points um... is that what a Renault is <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, top 10 finish for george russell according to harry Eid. sam what are you going for I think, well, I was going to say the same as Harry, so I, I shall adapt quickly, which I've always been very good at, king of movement, king of movement, left and right. Um, I think that one of the classic top three will have a failure and that a Renault will get a podium because of that. The only thing that I love more than a bold prediction is a double bold prediction rolled into one. It's double! Love it. So... One of Verstappen, Hamilton and Bottas will yep. be out of the race with a mechanical failure. I, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and yep. one of the Renaults takes advantage and gets a podium. All yep. right. Um, I am going to say, you know me, the biggest Danny Kvyat fan in the world. <laughs> Always um, so lovely to him. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say he is going to finish in the top five. Whoa! Probably oh, fair enough. That is the boldest uh, prediction you've made. That might be the boldest time. thing you've ever said. Yeah, I I figured I might as well just go completely bold. There's not like a partly bold one that I've got in mind, so I thought rather than try and figure one out, I'm just going to go completely bold and say that Danny Kvyat Can, can I ask why Kvyat is fifth and not Gasly? Because Gasly wouldn't be bold enough. Is <laughs> <laughs> too standardly good now. To, uh, it's a realistic chance. In fairness, like Gasly on pace, probably would have been about fifth in the last Grand Prix, so I figured that probably wasn't um, wasn't quite bold enough. But Danny Kvyat, who has scored two points all season, now that's bold yes. enough. Love it. I love it. Well, folks, again, let us down below in the comments. What's your bold <laughs> prediction? Who do you think would be the most bold? Or get it right, let us know. Can you be more bold than the late bolding guys? We are all bolding, it's true. Poll... Sponsored by Claire Bolding. <laughs> Poll one, two, three, then. Sam, what are you going for here? Poll one, two, three is going to be Lewis Hamilton on pole. Lewis Hamilton will win the race. Valtteri Bottas will be second. 
and Daniel Ricciardo will be third. Okay, there's the answer to which Renault is going to be on the podium then. Um, the other two, perhaps uh, a bit more standard. Harry, what are you going for? Uh, Paul Lewis Hamilton, the win to Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen in P2, and Daniel Ricciardo in P3. Oh, man. Oh, I thought you could I say sh- George Russell for a minute. I should have said, it. If, <laughs> if you're going to put Daniel Ricciardo in the top three, you also have to stipulate what the what the tattoo is that he's going to get Cyril to have. Uh, he's going to get... Uh... <laughs> oh, God. He's going to get the phrase, tripping major nutsack. <laughs> I'm not going to ask where. On his nutsack. Yeah, that's what will happen. I love that. That's great. You know, I, I knew it was a terrible idea to ask in the first place, but I could just couldn't help myself. That's anyway, fantastic. my poll one, two, three. I'm going to go with Valtteri Bottas on pole. I think I think he'll he'll pull it out the bag. It's been a while, so I reckon he'll pull out uh, a pole position. Uh, but I don't think he'll win the race. I'm going to go with Lewis no. Hamilton P1, Valtteri <laughs> Bottas P2, uh, and then P3. I'm going to go with Max Verstappen. So I am going. Boring. This is after I fun. predicted Perez on the podium last time out. Yeah. So that proved to me I should be boring. Yeah. Yeah. What a boring. fun life you lead. This is true. This is very true. All right. Well, <laughs> just stop a moment to end it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've never heard a poll one, two, three prediction go down like that before. Like I think we're all fed balloon. up of a we're all fed up of a Hamilton Bottas for staff and podium. That's the oh issue. yes, please Mix get it them up, off. lads. Yeah, honestly, what are we yeah. doing here? So as we know, at the Italian Grand Prix, Mercedes are not going to be able to use their infamous party mode. All quali modes um, to do with the engine power are completely banned going on from this weekend. So will it make any sort of an impact whatsoever? We've seen Mercedes so dominant in qualifying to this point. Harry, do you think this opens the door for Red Bull at all? Uh, I think it will bring them closer. I don't think they're going to suddenly overtake Mercedes. I think Mercedes, they seem fairly confident that... um, that they can they can uh, you know still be still be in front and use what power they don't use in quality in the race. Um so yeah, I don't know how much of a difference it it will make. I've seen mixed reports. Some teams seem to believe that that it will you know change the outlook of, of the rest of the season. But um yeah I think Mercedes are quick anyway. Uh, I don't think they're suddenly going to fall behind other teams. Um, I, I do think it will bring teams closer, and maybe that will be slightly less less depressing during qualifying when it's so close, and then there's just Mercedes. But um, I don't see them falling behind. It might, you know, if the Bottas has a bad quality, it might enable Verstappen to jump one of them. But um, yeah, in all honesty, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. Yes. So, Sam, do you think that this will give Red Bull or indeed any other team a, a chance to get close to Mercedes? No. Um, basically, because Mercedes... I, I saw someone comment on the Mercedes Instagram post recently being like, you know how many people hate Mercedes because you make an F1 boring? 
And the admin was like, don't hate Mercedes, hate the rest of the grid. They're even with the same resource and sometimes more resource are unable to compete with us regularly and often over each season. And I thought, what a well-constructed argument. And that is what's going to happen in these races. It feels as though the likes of the FIA are just trying to throw any punch possible at, um, at Mercedes to level them towards the normal rest of the grid. It's not Mercedes' fault. Mercedes are so good. All right? Mercedes are doing what they need to do. Everyone else needs to step it up. Let's not hinder a team because they're being very good at their job. Um, and no, I don't think this is going to make any difference. I think that Mercedes have got enough in the bag aerodynamically, with engine power, with their driver capabilities to stay comfortably ahead. And even if they don't, right? Even on tracks like on Monza coming up this weekend, the overtaking chance is, is too strong. I think even if Max Verstappen somehow sticks it on pole position, I think Hamilton and Bottas will swamp him going into turn one. I think that those, that car is just too good. And the drivers behind the wheel of the best car we've ever seen in F1 are also some of the best drivers we've ever seen. So, no, I don't think it's going to change the result. I think Mercedes will still manage to walk away with this championship comfortably in their hands. And every single technological difference or threat or change that has been thrown at Mercedes, they have managed to overcome it better than anyone else up and down the grid. So I don't think it's going to change anything. Yeah, I don't think they're overly panicked about this, to be honest, um, which indicates that this is not the be-all and end-all of their pace. And I think those who do think that that is, that is the case, you're going to be proven very wrong this weekend. And I, I agree, I think it will make the field a little bit closer, um, but I don't think it will be the silver bullet required for someone like Max Verstappen or, or indeed anyone else to immediately leapfrog the Mercedes in qualifying. You have to consider that last time out at at Spa, it was just over half a second between Lewis Hamilton back to Max Verstappen. And that's pretty much been as as small as the gap has been all year. You know, it's mostly been around that one second mark, even occasionally going above the one second mark. So it's not as if this this rule change, I don't don't think it's going to account for that much time. And like Toto Wolff says, this could be a case where it does actually benefit them. You know, if they're able to still obtain pole position, because from Mercedes' perspective, it doesn't really matter if they claim pole position by one-tenth of a second or 1.1 seconds. It, it's still the same result. You still start from the same place on Sunday. So if this does actually have a beneficial, uh, if this does give them an advantage in terms of race pace and getting that little bit more out of the car over, say, sort of 20, 25 laps, then... Yeah, they they might even be quicker. You know, as as Sam, you say a lot of the time, points are handed out on Sunday, not on Saturday. So if they are able to to stay ahead, even if it is only by a few temps rather than by one second, they are in a great spot. Um, but but yeah, I Harry, what do you think of these of these regulations? Just the actual application of them, not looking at what effect it will have. Do you think this was just? this was just the FIA trying to level it up? Or do you think there were other things at play here? Ben, get your tinfoil hat out, boy. Um, It's already on. (laughs) I, I when when they first announced that, uh, that rule change, it was right in the midst of when Toto was saying that they weren't happy with the Concord agreement. And, you know, then I thought, well, maybe that's, I know it's not the FIA who who deal with that, but maybe that was just F1 flexing their muscles a bit to get Mercedes to to play ball. 
Um, that's the only kind of tinfoil hat moment I had. I think I do think genuinely they're just trying to level the playing field out a bit, and you know that is technically the FIA's responsibility to you know to make it a, a fair sport. I guess um, odd to do it mid season. Some you think maybe they'd they'd reintroduce it in the winter uh, or you know going into next year, but um, yeah, clearly clearly they thought it was. Uh, uh, giving them a massive advantage but as we've already said I don't think it actually does so um, maybe it was just an attempt to show people that they they are trying to level the playing field out, field out a bit but I'm not going to be cynical and say that it was, there are other motives at play but I'm sure Ben will <laughs> Well I, if this is just for the intention of, of making Mercedes closer to the chasing pack, I completely disagree with this. If that is the intention of this, um, you know, there might be other things at play. It might be, I, I've heard people say it might be easier to regulate um, and some other potential benefits for the FIA that quality mode's not in place. But if this is just a an evening of the playing field, then I don't agree with this at all. Um, and I would say that I don't think this is, essentially making it fairer because uh, i don't think fair and level is the same thing um you know just because you're leveling the field does not mean that you are making it fairer um you know making bringing in the cost cap i think is fair you know you're, you're giving everyone a set amount that they have to work with um and then it's down to you know the efficiencies of the teams and the performance of the drivers so i think that is fair but i don't think it's it's necessarily fair to to penalize someone who has done something completely fairly um you know within the regulations um for for no apparent reason there hasn't exactly been the fia coming forth and saying look we're doing this and this is why we're doing this there's been nothing of the sort so you have to assume if they're not going ahead and giving a decent reason, it is just a case of well, Mercedes are too far ahead, and and if you're if you're making regulations based on one team dominating too much, I understand they have to look out for the overall welfare of the sport, and they have to look out for you know just general sort of how entertaining the races are. Um, but I I want to see a fair sport, and I don't think this is actually a, a move that makes it more so. But of course, I mean, it's not just Mercedes who are who are using this party mode and they've got a bit of an advantage to spare, whereas you could say that Racing Point and Williams uh, don't. Sam, do you think that those two teams are actually in a bit of trouble of losing some quality performance? Don't make these changes in the middle of the season. It isn't fair. It's not fair on the grid at all. The rules were in place at the start of the season They have adhered to the rules. There is nothing that stops a Ferrari power team or a Honda power team or a Renault power team having the same abilities as the Mercedes team. They've done nothing wrong. But because you don't like it, it's now unfair on Mercedes power cars. Because they've been technologically clever, because they've managed to work the rules properly, because they've managed to take the most possible out of their engines and apply it in the right way, why is it fair to limit what they can do? Sorry, when the Williams had traction control or whatever it was, suspension that it had, God knows how many years ago now, did we halfway through the season go, can't have that? No, we didn't. We finished the season first before we made any judgment on what was going on. Uh, so the same applies here. The same with the... Um, did the double diffuser get banned halfway through the season or have I just made myself look like a right muppet? No, I, I do think they left that until the end of the year. Right. Thank you. 
that's two weeks in a row that Harry's proven my point. Custard cream bourbon, go check it out. <laughs> uh, honestly, leave it to the end of the season. I'm sorry, Formula One will go on in another year's time. There's only another 10 races to go. The championship is being won by the best team currently. Sorry, Adrian Newey's there. He's one of the smartest men in Formula One. He's capable of doing something along these lines. We've got other brilliant engineers at other teams. I don't think it's fair. It's really ridiculous that they get to do this halfway through a season. And yeah, Williams, who have, oh, I mean, so, the only good thing they've had about them is the Mercedes engine. And it's starting to work in their favour. And now you've taken away something else. The same with Racing Point. They were clever enough to copy. They've been punished for the brake ducts, which is against the rules. Nothing else is. And now their engine advantage, which was helping them to regain those points lost, is going to be taken away from them as well. It's really unfair, especially on those two guys. But I don't see why Mercedes needs to be punished for doing a better job than the rest of the grid. Wait till the end of the season, bang it, and then let them come up with something new. Harry, do you think that Williams and, and Racing Point are going to be at a potentially bigger disadvantage than the Mercedes due to how close it is where they're fighting? Uh, I don't. I, I can't. I can't comment on. Well, I can't comment because I don't know uh, on you know what Honda and Renault Renault's party mode is like. Because um, you know, I, I pres- I'm pretty sure they must have some form of it as well. So, uh, yeah, you you might say that. Uh, it's not fair on Mercedes and Racing Point. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with Sam. I don't know why they had to bring it in midway through the year. Um, I can see what they're trying to do, but I don't think it's the the best way to do it. Um, all in all, I don't think I don't think Mercedes and Racing Point, um, Ra- Racing Point and Williams will suffer too much. And Mercedes for that. Um, I think they'll they'll still be there or thereabouts in qualifying. Um, you know, Racing Point in particular, that car is still a solid car without uh, the Mercedes engine in it because the rest of it is still a Mercedes. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it won't harm them too much. That famous last words before they qualify on the back row. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we'll, we'll see that when it happens. Moving on to the AlphaTauri lineup for next season. So, Rumours out there that Danny Kvyat's seat might be up for grabs with maybe Yuki Tsunoda making the move up from Formula 2. He's having a good season to this point. Um, and there are some other Red Bull junior drivers as well. So, Harry, do you think that, that Yuki Tsunoda might be ready for Formula 1? And do you think that there is anyone else out there maybe that, that could take Danny Kvyat's seat as well? Um, I think Red Bull have to be careful i think they they're starting to learn their lessons somewhat about promoting drivers too early i think sonoda probably could be in that car next year i think it's highly possible you know kvyat's had a fair crack at it now he's not going back to red bull uh unfortunately for him um and honda you know that's a great story for honda to have a japanese driver in one of their cars um so i, I yeah i think sonoda could be in the car next year i think just red bull will be and AlphaTauri obviously will be wary about promoting drivers too uh, too early. Uh, anyone else in that car? I mean, Hulkenberg, after his two races, can't be ruled out of a seat. Although that that could more likely be Haas, I think. Um, who else could be in that AlphaTauri? Roy Nassani. Alex, you. Alex <laughs> never rule out Alex. <laughs> Big Zons. Um, Big Zons. Yeah, again. He should be. Um, yeah, no, I, I think Sonoda could well be in that 
AlphaTauri next year, who he's sat next to, again, that could be anyone's guess. But um, yeah, I think it's if it's not next year, it'll be the year after, you know, provided he keeps having success in F2. But I think Honda will be keen to get him into that into that seat sooner rather than later. You know, the last Japanese driver they had was was a Takuma Sato, Indy 500 legend. Um, so uh, yeah, I think I think it's pretty possible that it could happen. What do you reckon, Sam? Do you think that Sonoda could make the move up? And what about the other choices that are out there? I think Sonoda is most likely the favourite to take the step up. He's having a very strong season in F2. He's really started to come into his own in the last couple of races. And I think he got a pole position at the most recent one in Spa. Um, he might have got the wing. I don't think he did. I can't remember my yeah, bottom. Like a sieve. Yeah. Oh, there he you did. go. <laughs> I'm on it today. Um, Sangoda, yeah, he's really coming, you know, coming, coming, coming to his own. He's not in the top four of the standards overall, but he's not far off either. Um, I don't think there's too many other games out there that can really challenge too much on this. The likes of uh, Pato Ward are no longer part of the Red Bull program. He's obviously joined McLaren, so I don't think that's an option. Um, Albon and Gasly, I still think there's a massive debate there. I personally think that as is really settled, and if they can create the right atmosphere at Red Bull, I really think he could be the right driver for them. Now he's had the proper time to adapt to Formula One, adapt to the racing standards, come into his own, get used to things. He's showing off what he's capable of doing, but they rushed it. And I don't want to do the same with Sonoda, despite the fact that having a Japanese driver in a Honda-powered car will be absolutely brilliant. What a story for Honda to go from creating GP2 engines for a moany Spanish man to having one of their very own racing in Formula One in a Honda Power engine would be just brilliant news for them. Um, I don't think it's going to happen in this step up unless Dan- Danny Kvyat has an absolute nightmare rest of the season. I think they've got Kvyat wrapped up, ready to go for another season. I don't think he'd be bothered. He's not got offers coming in. He's not got outside of F1 offers coming in either. He's got backing from Russia uh, coming his way as well. Honestly, if Red Bull didn't want to rush and they've learnt their lesson, I think they're very comfortable just to keep the same line up that they've got this year as they do for next year. But I would like to see Sonoda in the Alpha Tauri as long as he is given ample time to adapt, develop, and show off his skill, unlike the likes of Albon and Gasly, who have been thrust into the limelight within about four races. The problem with the Red Bull and, and Alpha Tauri program and the drivers that are involved in it is it's just so confusing and it's really difficult to rate everyone based on their time in, in Alpha Tauri and in Red Bull because technically, I mean, all four of them have had time in both teams and, and there's no there's not a lot of conclusive uh, statements you can actually make because you can say that, oh, well, you know, Gasly and Kvyat, since since uh, Gasly was demoted, Gasly has absolutely trounced Kvyat, and Kvyat actually beat Albon. So that looks pretty bad on Albon. But Albon's done better in Red Bull than Gasly did. But then Kvyat was there, and he beat Ricardo. So how on earth do they all stack up? How can you make how can you make conclusions out of it? It's so difficult. Um, and the reality is they're probably all very similar drivers. But there you go. Um, yeah, with Kvyat struggling somewhat this season. So, I mean, he's got two points at, at this point in the year. So, I think Yuki Tsunoda is definitely in line for a seat. I think he will make it. Uh, I just don't think it will be 2021. Um, I know he's, he's he's not scheduled to do, I don't believe he's scheduled to do any free practice sessions this year, but he is scheduled to do the Abu Dhabi Young Driver Test, um, which will probably be the, the springboard for him to then do 
FP1 sessions next year, getting him ready for 2022. Obviously, there's a lot of incentive there for Honda. They're going to want someone in the car, you know, first Japanese driver in quite a long time. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely incentive there. Um, and Sonoda's a good driver. You know, Sonoda's really impressed me this year in F2. He's been one of the standout drivers. Um, you know, he's third place overall at the moment. He's taken a couple of wins. Uh, like I say, the feature win at Spa. Um, ten, you know, usually it is the feature wins that you want to look out for more. Not to say that the reverse grid wins aren't impressive, but you're not going to have to deal with that when you get to F1. So, um, and, and yeah, I mean, he's a F4 Japanese champion back in 2018. Uh, and his, his young career, he's only 20 years old, remember. Just in his young career, he has had a number of standout moments. And just generally, his conduct in F2 this season has really impressed me. So I think he is definitely in line for that. If they want to get rid of Danny Kvyat early, which I'm not sure there will be much of a need to do so, then yeah, maybe someone like Hulkenberg can fill that void. Um, but yeah, Sonoda for me, he's going to make it, just not 2021. And we'll move on to our final topic of today. Um, so Lance Stroll, through the points that he gained at the Belgian Grand Prix, it means that in his four years in F1, including this year, this points tally that he's got this year is higher than any other season he's had. And we're only seven races in. Um, so he's got a very good chance. He's in the top 10 in the championship. I think he's seventh overall. Sam, do you think this is at the moment his best season yet? And are you seeing signs that there are, uh, are you seeing signs that there's a long-term future for him? So I do think this is his best season yet. But I don't think that's down to his points all. I think to look at his points all in comparison from this year to the rest of the years that he's been in F1 is a little bit... It, it displaces the opinion. It does it, not have anything concrete about it when you look at the seasons and the cars he's had to drive. Previously, of course, he was in Williams and they were not at the top of the game when he was there, although he did beat Felipe Massa. And then, um, and then of course, he was in the early racing point when it was bought out. And that was no brilliant car at that point. Obviously, took over from Esteban Ocon. Um, that, that was no you know, top-of-the-range car. This is the first season that that racing point really has looked like it could regularly challenge for a possible podium if not top four or five finish, race to race. And so much so that all three of us have regularly now put one of those drivers from that team onto a podium prediction. Um, not that they've achieved it, much to our dismay. Although, so I think to look at those points differences would be a little bit skewed. I don't think it would be too accurate. In terms of his driving capability, I think he's matching Perez a lot better on qualifying, which is great to see. He's regularly representing that car where it should be on the grid when it comes to qualifying. He's still generally moving forward as well when this, the race starts on a Sunday. I am not wowed by Lance Stroll. But I definitely think there is a positive air around him. I think the opinions are shifting. I think he's showing that he is capable. The guy had quite a successful junior career. I just think that because he jumped very quickly from F3 and he's also got the backing of so much money, his father, of course, owning an F1 team that he races for, there's a lot of negative opinion around that. And I, I understand why. But also you've got to look at the, uh, the statistics and the options and how he's performing. And it is improving. I don't think he'll ever be a world champion. I don't ever think he'll be a, a you know more than a ten time race winner, for example. But he is starting to earn his place in the sport properly. I think he's better than a number of drivers. You know, uh, I think the likes of Grosjean, I think Kimi, I think Giovinazzi, uh, all should go before he he even gets a look in. And there are a few others in that pile as well. So yeah, I'm not wowed by him, but I am genuinely happy with the progress he's made. I think he's starting to cement himself 
as a, a strong midfield driver in F1, capable of having a good fight, producing some good action and not making too many stupid mistakes. What do you reckon, Harry? Encouraging signs this year? Uh, just want to say Lance Stroll equals better than Kimi Raikkonen, confirmed. Yep. yep. All, all of Finland coming after us now. Um... They always do, <laughs> thanks to what Sam says. There's only four of them there. <laughs> right. Um Sorry, Finland. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's encouraging signs. I was literally just looking at um, his championship position position and race finishes. He And I know Perez missed two races because of coronavirus, which is unfortunate. But then Stroll did retire from one. And as far as I'm aware, that was mechanical reasons. Um, he's had two fourth places at, at, and at races that you know Perez was there. Perez came seventh on one and fifth on the other. So... Um, yeah, it's almost kind of flown under the radar. I I was ready to say, oh, you know, I I don't think he's been that good. But actually, looking at it, on the face of it, he has had a better year. I think his qualifying has been slightly better. Um, you know, he's he qualified P three in Hungary or P four. Can't P3. remember. P three. It was good anyway. P1? Which one? Not P one. We'd have lost it. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, so I think his qualifying has been better. And we've said this a lot. You know, he is the GOAT at race starts. So if he improves his qualifying performances, which he seems to have done this year, then, um, yeah, it was always going to it was always gonna be better in the races for him. So, um, yeah, he has been better. As Sam says, I think he is, you know, earning that place through his driving skills, not just through who his dad is now. Um, I don't put him on a par with... The likes of you know Leclerc, Verstappen, Norris, Russell. I don't think he's up there, but he's he's turning into a solid midfield driver. I would say in before he then wins this weekend as well. And also shout out to that start in Spain, which was just unreal exactly. as well. Like that was that was fantastic driving from him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Lance Stroll, if he puts together a good race weekend at Monza um, and some other drivers don't get the best results in the world, like he could be fourth. Like He's seventh in the championship, but he's only six points away from Albon in fourth. And could you imagine if he was fourth in the championship? I think this would get a lot more of attention than what it is getting. Um, yeah, his fourth season in F1, for me, this is absolutely his best one so far. He's definitely improving in that respect. And yes, his car, I mean... Last season, the racing point wasn't at the level that it's been at this season. And, you know, apart from his first season at Williams, you don't really have any comparison. So it's not a surprise to see him get this this number of points. But, yeah, you can't you can't argue it's been it's been a good year. I, I don't think he's been exceptional, um, but he's definitely been good. And I would caveat, obviously, that Perez has lost two races. And also, I don't think it's been a brilliant year from Perez to this point. I think he's been good but by Perez's standards I don't actually think it's been a very good year by him but having said that you know if Perez he's nine points behind Perez's to stroll so in two races he's probably going to make about nine points give or take maybe Perez would be just slightly ahead if he contended in those two um those two Silverstone races but you have to consider that Perez is someone who was able to defeat Nico Hulkenberg when they were teammates in two out of three years Perez is someone who beat Ocon two years in a row in the same car. And, you know, immediately you'd think Stroll wasn't on that same level as Ocon and Hulkenberg. But based on this, you have to say that there's something in that. 
Um, like I, I will say again, I don't think it's been a great year by Perez, but Stroll has been much, much better this year. We we referenced many times in 20, 2019 that his qualifying has to improve. And if it doesn't improve, he doesn't have that long-term future in Formula One that he would like. And he has clearly worked on it. It's still not perfect. It's still a long way from perfect. But he is consistently getting up there with Sergio Perez and he's getting into the top 10. And it means that when he is able to pull off these excellent starts, he's not having to recover from 17th and 18th on the grid. He's actually already got a good starting position and he's just getting himself even more into the points. So, yes, definitely a better year from Stroll. I would agree that I don't think he's going to be at that elite level, but I think he can form a very long career in Formula One if he continues on this same path. Go, Goat Stroll! Goat Stroll. Well, Goat Stroll, no real better place to end. So, Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here for this episode. Well, if you're a fan of Goat Stroll or any of the other silliness we've spoken about today, think about sharing the podcast. Give us a little review, maybe. Come and chat to us on Late Breaking and let us know what you think about everything we're discussing. And, of course, come back for the Italian Grand Prix review, which will happen, of course, in the in the podcast, and there'll be a video over on YouTube. Make sure you go and check that out. We're all laughing at Ferrari together. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Van Hocking. I've been Luca Badoa. And remember, keep breaking late. Sports Social Podcast Network.